to this opening day edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. The rosters are set. The Phillies are set to report to Citizens Bank Park to take on the Atlanta Braves on Thursday afternoon. And we are here to talk about it. Frank Close here along with Jeff Mosher. Jeff, are you ready for some baseball? Oh, I can't wait. It's my favorite day of the year. Opening day. I'm very excited. I hope the weather holds up because I hate it when it rains on opening day. I know it's <laughs> there's rain in the forecast now. Hopefully it clears up. I, I hate having to wait that extra. I even hate the day, the, the rain day, like when, when baseball opens up and then the next day is the day off and then you have to wait, you know, like 48 hours before they're back on the field again. I hate that. <laughs> I'm not a fan either. I, you know, I, I remember some opening days where I'm out there in like 40 and misty rain. Uh, it sounds like this rain will just get out of the way in time for first pitch. So will be some rain Thursday morning could affect your tailgating if you do that. Uh, but uh, aside from that, it looks like uh, baseball at least will just be a little bit chilly uh, in the upper forties, Jeff, not really baseball mm-hmm. weather, even though we've had some nice weather as of late, but, but it will be baseball, right? So that, that, I guess that, that makes it worthwhile, whether the weather is uh, bad or not. <laughs> so, but <laughs> there's a lot to talk about this, this Phillies team as we have this final roster and, and the thing that seems to be getting the biggest buzz the last couple of days, of course, would be the uh, leaving off of a Dubal Herrera from the Phillies roster. Now, Jeff, I was very uh, pessimistic, I guess, about his chances the entire time. You know, he would have cost the Phillies a roster spot, uh, but some really feel that he deserves this opportunity. I've seen a lot of people with a lot of comments. Jeff, what do you think about Odubel Herrera? Would you have put him on this roster? I mean, look who look who he's competing against. I mean, you've got a first round pick in Adam Hazley, correct? You have Roman Quinn, who you can probably say is streaky like Odubel Herrera, but offers the type of speed that you just don't see uh, on a regular basis. And the bottom line for Odubel is, I mean, put the off field stuff aside because maybe that does factor into it, but maybe it doesn't. He batted two thirty one this spring. I know he finished very strong, but two thirty one average this spring 245 on base percentage which sucks um ops is 726 played 17 games finished strong started strong was not very good in the middle and that's the story of Odubel Herrera he's a streaky streaky player so it doesn't surprise me that they go forward with a guy who they drafted in the first round like Hazley and of course, you know, Roman Quinn, and and we'll see who else winds up getting some time there. Obviously it's not going to be Scott Kingery to start off with, but it's it just, it does not surprise me uh, as much. And I'm surprised that people are surprised. I mean, we've seen Odubel Herrera throughout the years. He is a streaky, streaky player. I think the Phillies at this point are just looking. They're they're, all, they're a lot further ahead now, especially offensively, than they were three or four years ago when Odubel was one of their their better hitters. And so I, I just don't see the same type of fit on this team with him anymore. So do you think Odubel Herrera has anything left now? If you look at his stats the last several years, I mean, even in 2019 before his arrest, you know, he was he was he was kind of scuffling along then as well, and. Uh, 2018, just so-so. 2017, he started out pretty well and then just sort of fell off the map. So, you know, if if history is any indication, I you know, I've heard some people say, well, he has a track record. But aside from that all-star appearance in 2016, if you look mm-hmm. at his numbers, I mean, 2018, he batted 255. Most of that, most of that was the first half. 2019, 222. 
course, doesn't play in 2020. And this is your spring training showing like did he perform like one expects Odubel Herrera to perform at this point in his career? I mean, I gave the numbers, right? I mean, he batted 231 with an OBP of 245, and he played 17 games. So he had plenty of opportunity to prove himself. I mean, he this is so vintage, Odu Barrera. He hit four home runs, but how many RBIs did he finish with, Frank? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know that number. Four. four. He hit okay, four well, solo home runs in spring, and that actually wound up being 30, uh, 30% of his hits. Uh, he struck out 11 times in uh, 52 at bats, which actually might be lower than normal for him. I just, you know, I, I don't see the sense in arguing or debating or feeling like there was a slight to a guy who has been, again, very streaky his whole career. And when I say streaky, like, um, hitting myself in the head here. Uh, uh, who's the guy? The, uh, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is a very streaky player. We know that. But at the end of the year, he's still going to have an average or an OBP of at least, you know, 360, 370. He's going to have 30 home runs, going to have 80 to 100 RBIs, some stolen bases. Odubo Herrera is streaky in that he can tear the cover off the ball for two weeks, but then go in an eight week slump. And by the end of the year, as you just mentioned, going through his stats, you're not looking at very impressive numbers. And so, I don't see how this is uh, even that big of a deal. I mean, and at some point, if Mickey Moniak continues to play well, right, he might get called up and be that, that center fielder that they're looking for if it's not going to be Quinn or Hazley. So they've got, they've got, they got guys who are they just more invested in. So, so let me ask you this then. If the Phillies have an opening, let's just say hypothetically, because it never happens, but let's say Roman Quinn gets injured at some point early in the season. Do you even dare consider Herrera or do you go for, for Mickey Moniak? How, which ones, how are they doing in the, the minors? Well, you know, let's I just mean, say they're not going to play in the minors for another five weeks. That's part of the Well, the that's a good too. point. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a great question. I would think most teams would want to call up their first round pick and give that guy a shot, especially if that guy had a, uh, a decent enough spring, which we know, Moniac had a, a fairly decent spring. I, I forget what the final numbers on him were. Uh, I'll take a look at some point. But I mean, again, the, 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 it always, he went 273 with a 385 OBP. So he showed you something there. Um, so I would think Moniac would get that nod. So here's a question. So the, the, the two that make the do roster. Agree, do you agree course. with that? Well, real, real quick. I mean, do you, do you sense the same? I, I suppose it depends on how long somebody's going to be out. I mean, how long do they need to fill a roster spot? Is it, is it a two week minor injury or is it long, long, long term? I mean, I think, I think it also depends on who gets hurt, right? You know, if, if they think that that Moniac can play every day, maybe they bring him up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I got to think that Moniac is ahead of, of Herrera in this, in this thought process. Right. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, he had a better spring. He's a first round pick. I mean, if anything, he's, you know, become a nice story after being a laughing stock. I mean, doesn't every organization try harder to prioritize its number one picks and sometimes to a fault, but in this case, the number one pick outperformed. He had a better spring numerically, statistically. And so I don't see any reason other than experience that you would want to call up Odubel, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, I think Mickey Moniak, uh, uh, while we're speaking about Mickey Moniak, I, I think the reason why he got sent down, and I know a lot of fans didn't like it, 
Uh, he never played in AAA. I mean, that's yeah, one thing that we, that's easy to forget. Last season, he went from being in this, uh, being nowhere, essentially, like as a minor leaguer. He, he hits the alternate site somewhere during this short season. And then next thing you know, he's, he's getting a call up out of necessity. And uh, he really never got his feet under him, it seemed like, last year. So, so I right. do kind of agree that you want to see what's, what's happening with Moniac there. But speaking of first-round picks... Don't you want to kind of give Adam Hastley the, the the first real shot in center field to see what you have with your first round pick here? Uh, yes, although I do I do I think he's going to get you know seventy five percent of the at bats and playing time in center field? I'm not exactly sure of that. You've got when you got a guy like Roman Quinn who, when healthy, can give you something on the base pass that not not too many people in the league can give you. Plus, he can hit to both gaps. He's got power. I mean, I like. Roman Quinn again I, I get it. he's streaky as well and you really never know what you're going to get but the the speed is the same uh and the ability to be disruptive is always going to be there so I think Frank unless you think differently I do I do imagine it might not be 50 50 but it'll 60 40 like I think that that's going to be as probably the only position where you're going to see some platooning going on so do you think then that Adam Hastley will get the at-bats against the right-handed pitching, which I guess would be would be most of the time then, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you're if you're if you're going to platoon them, if you're going to make Roman Quinn sort of your righty uh, in that platoon, that means Hastley would play more, right? You would think so, yeah. That's but that's why I said like you never know how the schedule shakes out and how many lefties you're going to see in a, in a particular week, which is why I do think Hastley will get more of the time, but I don't know. It'll be like 80, 20. It might be like 60, 40. It may, it may be different week to week. So some people have complained that Hastley hasn't really gotten enough at bats against left-handed pitching. Uh, would you be, would you be willing to just give him, but by the way, the numbers last year, Hastley got 10 at bats against lefty pitchers he hit 400. So, so four for 10. So again, small, you know, last, that's the problem with last year completely. It's a small sample size, right? But he did. Okay. I mean, do do you, do you, it doesn't make sense to just sort of commit to him and then let Quinn be the speed guy off the bench. Uh, I mean, why not, why not just let him loose? Right. Cause he's your first round pick. You have another one kind of breathing down his neck. Don't you got to just let him loose. I do think that's fair. I understood it earlier in his career when he came up and you weren't sure if he was ready. He kind of got um, fast-tracked a little bit because of all the injuries they had, but he wound up playing just well enough to kind of to, to stay up there, right? And so um, you understood while they were trying to win games at a certain point where you'd want a different, uh, you'd want a righty facing a lefty pitcher. But now you start the season, he's ready for the majors, he's got enough experience. I do believe, I, I agree with you, that he should be given the opportunity to show whether or not he can hit lefties consistently and not just automatically bounce out of the lineup every time that there's a left-hander in. Absolutely. And really his, his total line was very respectable to respectable 278 for the season. He had a little, he didn't really have any power last year. He didn't hit a home run. Um, he had five in 2019, which is, uh, right. which is a little bit more of a sample size, but you got to wonder if he's got some power in that bat. I mean, he had it as a college student, of course, but but mm-hmm. don't they all? Uh, so I th- I kind of do want to see uh, what's up with Adam Hastley long term, and at the same time too, like I I think the the challenge too is if you look at Roman Quinn, as as we've kind of said, he's got all this talent. Um, should he get one last look before you start turning over the position to the to the prospects? Um, yeah, yeah. And I think he will. I mean, 
he's a guy who can definitely be on your team. If he's not going to even be as much of a platooner as we think, then he's still a guy who's your, uh, who can be a fourth or fifth outfielder and plus a late game, uh, you know, guy for stolen bases. Now that, that there's no DH, which we thought there might be this year, w- without the DH and the pitcher still hitting in the late innings, he's a perfect kind of, you know, double switch type of guy or, or, you know, bat for the pitcher and pinch hit and get on base late innings. So there's definitely, when you have his game changing type speed and the ability to steal bases, I definitely think there's a role for him. It may not be as much as he wants it to be, and it may not be long lasting, but at least for this year. Yeah. about this late innings, Brad Miller, gets a pinch hit. Roman Quinn comes in and runs, right? I mean, that's, that's, uh, sure. that's, that are they do still doing damage. that thing? Are they still doing the thing where a guy starts off at second base? Um, Actually, uh, that's a great question. I, I think it carried over. Uh, well, I hate it, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I hate it, it too. But Roman um, Quinn's so, definitely a weapon in that regard. <laughs> right, right. I mean, he's he's perfect for it. I mean, the only problem the only problem is you got to uh, um, take out the player that was that made the last out the inning before. So it's got to be the right player, I, I guess, uh, if if you're going to do that. But yeah, Quinn Quinn's kind of made for that, you know, and. If you consider too, is uh, literally last season Quinn was the fastest player in the major leagues. If you look at the, if you look at the uh, stats from last year, right? And so, and so yes, the runner at second base thing. I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> runner at second base thing. The awful rule. Uh, that's what you. Yeah, call it. I I hate it, but it is back for for one more year, at the very least. But we'll we'll see what happens going forward. I mean, by the way, the other thing that comes comes back in twenty twenty one. Is the seven inning double headers? Uh, so, I don't, I don't know. If I don't I like hate those. that as much. I don't hate it as much. But yeah, I feel I like that's a college either. thing, you know. Like it uh... is. It's a little bush league. <laughs> I, I agree, but not more bush league than just starting off with a runner on second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody's everybody need everybody's in that much of a hurry to go home, I guess. But uh... yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, by the way, speaking of the outfield, Matt Joyce makes the roster. Another really fine pinch hitter. So. Uh, between him and, and Brad Miller, you've got some nice pinch hitting options. And uh, interestingly, the only righties on the bench then would be Quinn and and then Ronald Torres, who, by the way, last time we were talking a week ago, I said I don't mind him on the roster, but uh, he does make make the roster as the reserve infielder, uh, which kind of brings us to our, our second point of conversation, which is who is not the reserve infielder, which would be Scott Kingery. And uh, Scott mm-hmm. Kingery is is options to the minor leagues he's going to head to the uh, minor league spring training and then the alternate camp in allentown and where do you begin with scott kingery what at this point i i think the phillies really need to do some deep reflection and, and basically answer the question what is scott kingery it's a great question um i think he's one of those guys frank that has gotten lost in the new wave analytical approach to baseball that emphasizes, excuse me, emphasizes, uh, you know, launch angle, exit velocity, all that type of thing. I mean, he's, he's got power, but he's a gap hitter. He should be the type of guy that hits a home run because he was trying to hit a double, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Uh, And just got good wood on the ball. And I think he's just flailing at everything from what I, you know, the little I was able to see of him in spring training, uh, waving at stuff. It's, it's not, he's not, you remember when Reese Hoskins went through it a couple of years ago with that really bad slump and you would, I think the difference is Reese 
was taking great pitches, you know, because he was just thinking on base percentage, on base percentage, get on base, walk, walk. This kid is kind of the other way around. He's thinking home run, home run, home run. And he's not looking at good pitches. He's flailing at bad pitches. And, you know, for some guys, I've seen that them get it corrected pretty easily. Other guys, you get lost and you go down a rabbit hole. That's tough to come back from. So I think it's a good idea to send him down, have him work with the batting coach, try to get his mentality right. He had some bad luck last year with COVID and, and not being able to, you know, be completely healthy. So it might have uh, enabled him to regress into bad habits, but he's lost and he needs to get it back. And I think the big question is, as you put out and you wrote about, do the Phillies even give him that time or do they kind of see if, if somebody else is willing to, to take that contract, um, which you can look at that contract as economical if he's playing well and, and, and formidably, but it, an albatross if he's not even able to perform at the major league level. It depends on how you view it. So, so the question I posed, and I wrote about this on sportstalkphilly.com, was if you're the Phillies, do you try to do a roster maneuver, one like Dave Dombrowski has done in the past? When So to give you, give you a background in, in uh, 2014, Ben Sherrington, then general manager of the Boston Red Sox, signed Rosny Castillo, um, who I believe came from Cuba, to a seven-year, $72.5 million deal. And Rosny Castillo did not do too much to show that he was worthy of a roster spot. So what did, what did Dave Dombrowski do? He designated him for assignment, outrighted him to the minor leagues, and he cleared waivers. And that $72.5 million contract ended up hanging out at AAA. And what did that do? It opened up a roster spot, right? So here's my question then. So Scott Kingery is due $4 million this year. He is due $6 million next year. And then $8 million the year after that. That's, that's, that's $18 million. And every year, that's $4 million that counts against the competitive balance tax. So, so here's my question. So Brad Miller was seen as an expensive bench player this year at $3.5 million. So Kingery is going to earn, no matter what, more than a bench player, right? So if mm-hmm. Kingery is going to earn that money, he essentially has to be a starter on this team. And then that brings me to the question, where is he going to start? You have two years of Gregorius left. You have two years of Segura left. I, I, I'm trying to find a place where he fits. Your top position player prospect is Bryson Stott. So mm-hmm. and he, he's going to play shortstop or second base, and he might jump over Kingery if, if there's an injury and somebody's got to come up and play one of those positions. So, so here's my thought. Do the Phillies try to outright Scott Kingery off the roster? And if they try to outright Scott Kingery off the roster, one of two things will happen. One, he clears waivers and he reports to AAA and they have an extra roster space on their 40 man. So that's one less player they have to worry about cutting to, 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 make it, to bring in another player. And the other alternative is another team claims him and they assume all that money remaining. They assume the $4 million this year, $6 million the following year, and $8 million after that. So my question sort of is, one, is a team going to actually claim him if you put him on waivers? Like, is another team there, like, chopping at the bit to try to get a hold of him and think he'll be an all-star talent or something? Mm-hmm. Or 
if that's the case, did, do you really mind? Uh, are you, are you, you know, can you say, all right, we're okay in the infield. I don't mind that we lost Scott Kingery because we're, we're deep enough. Right. So yeah. I, what are your thoughts? Well, I think the, the only, I think the Rusty Castillo comparison is really smart, especially since Dombrowski was, was there at the time. The the issue is like just how risk averse are like how afraid are you to lose Scott Kingery? Because because Scott, unlike Rusty, who never played well at the major league, major league level, Scott has. It's been a while, but he has. He's shown some pretty good flashes and glimpses. And I could see one of those small market teams that you know has got some money to spend. And again, his contract isn't that exorbitant. Taking a risk on him, we know we're going to be bad, so we have the opportunity to rebuild this player. So would you be happy that you lost the contract? To a, and let another team claim him for all the reasons that you mentioned. You've already locked into your shortstop and the second base for at least two years. You've got Bryson Stott on the way. And even at center field with Moniak playing better, that takes away another potential. And Hazley there it takes away another avenue for Kingery to make his mark. But at the same point, the guy has played uh, decently and it would suck to see another team be able to rebuild him into a pretty good player. And if he becomes a pretty good player, not a great, just a pretty good player, that contract is actually a favorable contract for a team. So it's it's the risk that you take here. But I, I agree with you. Like the ability to be able to outright him, get him off the 40 man, open up a spot for somebody else right now while you're trying to win games and win this division is invaluable. And I think I would I would probably support it. And if they lost him, if somebody claimed him collateral damage but i think they're good enough to survive it and they have at least some prospects at in the infield and at center field to be able to um compensate so uh, of all people keith law chimed in on my article (laughs) and so uh mr prospect for the athletic uh but he says they'd lose a guy who was a consensus top 100 prospect for nothing with nobody to blame but themselves so uh, the fact that Keith Law says that, I, you know, I, I sort of I, I mean, I certainly respect Keith Law. He's done a lot of mm-hmm. he's done a lot of really good things over the years. And I'm honored he even addressed, you know, thought to address it. But um, but by his his take seems to think that Kingery has some value there. Right. So how about trying to trade him for some sort of other asset and, and give him the fresh start and and maybe find somebody that might fit into your long term plans a little bit better? Well, then you're in, I mean, that's cool too, but you're also then, you know, doing the whole sell, sell low thing, right? I mean, uh, you're selling them at the worst point. So whatever you're getting back, I don't know. It depends on who you think that the, the Phillies are going to put on the, if they were to outright him, who do they put on the 40 man in his spot? Is that player better or worse than whoever they would get back in a trade? Well, they're going to need, they're going to need somebody at some point. I mean, you know, um, Somebody's going to get hurt or some, or they're going to go need to grab a reliever somewhere. Yep. Uh, maybe that person's out there right now. I mean, maybe, maybe they say, all right, we, well, we'll talk about this in a second, but maybe they finally realize, oh shoot, we need another lefty. And they, they grab uh, Francisco Liriano who had a perfect spring for the Blue Jays <laughs> and got released anyway. Um, no, I, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know that they would do that because they had him last year, but um, I know. But you know that maybe they're going to need us. They're going to need to find room for somebody at some point. I mean, that, that that's kind of the reason I bring it up. You know, there's really nobody obvious that you're going to be able to to uh, to take off your forty man. I think that's the thing. CJ Chatham, I thought would be the first one to go, and he did. That's how they made room for um, 
for Ronald Torres. And then mm-hmm. the other spot for Brandon Kinsler came because uh, I believe it was Simone Muziati never got out of Venezuela this year for visa issues. So he's on the restricted list, but he's going to make it to camp soon. So you're going to need a spot for him. So I, I, I think this, this, this will play out uh, um, in a way that they're They're going to need somebody at some point soon and, and find a roster spot. So, you know, you always hate to see the thing, thing I hate to see is when teams uh, and the Phillies are going to have to do this next, they're going to have to cut a, pro, a pitching prospect. And I think that's what they really, really didn't want to do because much of their 40 man is, is, uh, is uh, in terms of prospects is, is on the pitching side of things. Right. So, right. Uh, right. so, so that, that's, that, that makes me, uh, that makes me wonder what, what they're going to do there as they, as they try to make up that, that roster space. I mean, do they, I mean, I don't know. The next guy in the bubble might be somebody like Ranger Suarez, who, uh, mm-hmm. by the way, uh, heading to the alternate training site. He never really got his feet under him this spring, and um, supposedly they stretch him out to be a starter. Yeah, yeah, it really, really is. So he uh, never, never did uh, get a chance to uh, to play during spring training this year. And of course, last year he made three starts, looked decent, and then then the world shut down. He got COVID, and and he was kind of battling back. So. Um, you don't know, you might be able to slip somebody like him through waivers. I don't know, but, but they're, they're going to need a roster spot sooner or later, but just, just a thought. And mm-hmm. if people really value Scott Kingery elsewhere, I, mean, that, I think that's, that's the, uh, that's the tricky thing there. But if someone like Keith law believes that, uh, um, that he still has that value, then, then, then we'll see, by the way, uh, CJ Chatham, uh, he is, uh, injured at the moment. So you, you can't, uh, try to put a player through waivers who's injured. It sounds like the Phillies are going to try to re-sign him on a minor league deal, but uh, it's, uh, it's all roster games right now, this time of year. Uh, as yeah. You try to find a way to get everybody, <laughs> right. try to get everybody in there. You're always feeling like you got to cut somebody, by the way, speaking of cutting somebody, what uh, we're going to get into our third topic of, of the day, which is, which is the bullpen. The Phillies really mm-hmm. surprised me. Uh, you know, I, I thought there was a chance maybe Tony Watson wouldn't make the team because they had, Jojo Romero and Jose Alvarado, the Phillies actually do part ways with Tony Watson, but at the same time, they also sent Jojo Romero to, to AAA to join the alternate site for now. So what did, what did you think of that move? Not having a second lefty in the pen. Yeah, I'm trying to make sense of it. You know, I think Girardi is right when he says that the roster that you see now is not, the season roster it's the opening day roster and there's a big difference there so maybe that there's something they're seeing that they're they don't feel like they're going to need lefties um for the first series or two i don't know my, my question is this we, we already know that there's no officially named closer it's probably going to be hector neris right i mean I'm sure at some point he's going to struggle and then it'll maybe be archie bradley but alvarado is a guy who will probably be in the mix to close if Neris doesn't hold it down, which I completely expect to happen. So if that happens and he becomes your closer, then it, you really need a lefty, uh, another lefty, because you need, you're going to need to get some lefties out in the seventh and eighth innings of games. So, and then even, even as it's currently constituted, if you bring in Alvarado to get out a lefty in the seventh, then who's going to get out the lefty in the eighth before you get to your closer in the ninth. I know that the Phillies like the way, um, some of their right-handers can get out left-handers. So a guy like uh, uh, the Kinsler, 
for example, with his funky delivery, you know, and then they, there's another right, right-hander that I got that I'm not thinking of at the moment that they like the way he can get out left-handers. But I don't know. I mean, remember, when it's not just about being able to get these guys out. It's also about how you can force your opponent to make certain changes based on whether you have a lefty or a righty in the game. They don't, you know, nobody, nobody, nobody um, puts in like a different batter, right? Because the pitcher there is is could be good at getting a lefty or righty out. They usually react to whether or not there's a left-hander or right-hander on the mound. So I, I it does surprise me, but I, I can't imagine it's going to last that long, Frank. And by the way, Alvarado, did you notice it? <laughs> after he was sort of named to be the uh, only lefty in the pen, the next day he gave up four earned runs in two-thirds of an inning. <laughs> so <laughs> it was really the first time that that he had actually – uh, gotten lit up in uh, <laughs> in spring training. That's just the law of so. averages kicking in right there. That's all. <laughs> but I wonder what Jojo Romero didn't do to make the uh the time. I mean, yeah, one oh four ERA, eight and two thirds innings, eight strikeouts. I mean, everything. All the numbers look good. I mean, I know that you know they kept Hale. His numbers were good too. Coonrod's numbers look good. I mean, everybody's numbers look good except for, of course, you know Hector Neris's. But I mean, what are you going to do? Well, one thing maybe this maybe this has something to do with it. You know the the uh, the three batter rule for relievers. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. maybe teams aren't so worried about having a lefty if they if that lefty can't get righties out. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, Maybe they just say, "Okay, we'll we'll try to have some better uh, righty relievers, and and they're they're going to face more than just lefties when they come in." So, but mm-hmm. uh, maybe so do, that do has you, some, something to do with it. Do, do you believe that when this season starts, um, you know, on Thursday, do you believe Neris is the first closer? I don't even know, to be honest with you. I I think it's possible. I think what they might do is they'll call Neris the closer. But then they'll they'll have Archie Bradley ready seventh eighth inning to or whatever the toughest inning is going to be, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So like I, I I can see them kind of saying he's the closer, but but kind of going uh, going that way. By the way, Brandon Kinsler last year lefties batted three hundred against him, so um, so he's not that great again. <laughs> get left-handers out. <laughs> yeah, I so, just I just um you know I mean they're playing the Braves in their opening series and the Mets and I'm trying to think obviously Acuna is a good uh, left-handed hitter mm. um trying to Freeman of course is a left-handed hitter so yeah this is you know you, you're kind of getting yourself in in dangerous territory only having one lefty in the pen well, know, then you face the Mets small sample size but Archie Bradley uh, w- uh lefties batted 171 against him last year so right Right. So actually, righty's batted three twenty four against him. So you know, maybe, maybe I should be looking at these sample sizes from uh, from well, from I one throw, two month season. Yeah, I throw everything from last year out. You know, it's just complete. Not everything, but I'm in a lot of stuff. You can just excuse to um, to say, hey, who knows? You know, the whole everybody, Sam everybody thing. Bullpen just had two bad months, like all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I look like if Brandon Workman wound up replacing. Craig Kimbrell as the closer in Chicago, would you be shocked and then wind no. up doing a decent job? No, I mean, nobody, I don't think anybody would be surprised at all. So um, Sam Coonrod though, I mean, here's a guy who's, who's come in and had a really nice, it's amazing how well the, the Phillies bullpen pitched in spring, which goes to show you really, you know, you can't put much into spring, but Bradley pitched well, Coonrod pitched well, Romero pitched well, Brogdon did not 
throw yeah he played he pitched well yeah he pitched um, well yeah uh, he pitched really well i mean er, it, everything you wanted to see you saw now tony watson had an era over seven so maybe he didn't merit <laughs> being on the team <laughs> just because he's left-handed if you're not but i i hate frank get like spring training could be the biggest facade so i don't you know i tend to trust the veterans like tony that if they have a, a bad spring training they're gonna be able to kind of right. turn it around but I can understand. Can't you understand after what the team has gone through for the last two years that if they're just going with the hot hands coming out of spring training because they're trying to win as many games in April as possible and avoid a repeat of, of the disaster of last year's bullpen? Could, could be a way to handle it. Now, um, speaking of the bullpen, uh, Dave Dombrowski was speaking on uh, Tuesday morning and and said that Spencer Howard, it appears he's going to be working mostly as a reliever this year. It sounds like they're going to try to uh, limit his innings as much as possible. Now, it doesn't sound like they're ruling out him starting down the line, but it seems like they're they're going to kind of at least plan on starting him angling towards the bullpen. So he he could join the Phillies bullpen soon. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't love it because I don't know how confident I am that Matt Moore and Chase Anderson are going to start, you know, 20 games each as the fourth and fifth, or that there's not going to be any injuries in the top five. And so I was hoping that Spencer Howard would be ready to step in if necessary. And part of what they're doing makes me wonder if they don't view him anymore as a starter. If, you know, if they think that he's just not built to last as a starter, but at the same time, if that's true, if they feel that way, but they do think that he's got enough, some good enough stuff to be a really effective future closer. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm reaching here, right. I'm just kind of like analyzing situation. Then I, I suppose that that's the best thing for him, but it's kind of hard to make any kind of long-term judgments on him already, I think, but the, the track record does show he doesn't seem to be able to go deep into games yet. By the way, uh, Tony Watson, speaking of him, he signs a one-year, $1 million deal with the Los Angeles Angels. So he's going wow. to be on a major league that? roster for a third of the price that he would have made with the Phillies. So um, I bet Jojo Romero is up in the majors within two weeks of opening day. <laughs> and I don't mean to say that that's because somebody else is getting, you know, clocked left and right. I just think that there will be and ne- they will realize the necessity of having another left-hander. And he was pitching well. Yeah, so – but – it would be kind of uh, if he doesn't, and Tony Watson ends up working out. That's not <laughs> that might that not be the, the uh, most most fun scenario there. So no. So uh, so our buddy John Stolness, uh, who uh, hosts a podcast over at the Good Fight, and and maybe uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know John Stolness because he's awesome. But he predicts the Phillies are going to win this National League East. I just want to get your thoughts on that before we call it a show. I mean, it's, it's certainly, is it possible? Sure. I mean, I don't know what kind of evidence someone would use to say that the Phillies are going to be better than the Braves uh, or the Nationals. I think that those two teams are a little bit more talented from top to bottom um, and their history says it, but I think the Phillies from a talent level are not that far behind. It's just about, this bullpen gelling, the offense coming together. And then really, you know, is Zach Eflin going to really emerge as that guy, that first round pick, that number three who could be considered number two instead of a three who's been more like a four, right? I mean, that's a big wild card. And so 
it certainly can happen, but I, I, I would put the resume recently of the Braves and the Nationals over the Phillies. So, so what is the path for the Phillies? What, what has to go right for the Phillies to actually win the National League East? Health. Health, bullpen. There you go. I, I have really no – this is probably going to wind up biting me in the ass, right? But mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say I have no worries about the offense. I think that they were a great offense last, last year and should score runs. So, it, to me, it's all about the health of the, the rotation and the effectiveness of the bullpen. And your thoughts? I, I kind of don't feel strongly one way or the other. Like, I, I feel like they're going to be better. Way to be bold, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, my, bold, my bold predictions were earlier this offseason. I said that Herrera had no chance in hell of making this roster, and that's pretty much, pretty much all I've... <laughs> so you're walking off into the sunset now. Yeah, you, yeah, you, no. <laughs> your job is done here. That's all I got, but no. But, but seriously, I, I don't think the Phillies are as bad as last year. That's clear. So, so that's going to put them as a winning team this year. Now, how much of a winning team? I think that really is going to depend where they're sitting in July and what Dave Dombrowski decides to do. Um, you know, it, it's, it's to make a prediction now, it, it kind of is based upon everybody that's on every roster right now. Like I can see Dave Dombrowski, you know, his history is if he sees a path to, to win, he goes for it. So if they're in July and it's looking like they have a chance, I can see him going for it and sure. uh, and, and winning the National League East. So, so really, I think a lot's going to just depend on 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 as you said that the health and and uh, and, and certainly this bullpen. I think the offense is good enough. Uh, I think even in the division against the tough teams, uh, when you have when you have Nola Wheeler, Eflin, I think they can battle anybody. Uh, so, I, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to be clobbered by the Braves or Nationals or, or Mets like some, some might worry. So I, I think it's going to be a lot of competitive baseball. And, you know, some, some series against the Braves, you're going to hit their three, four, and five starters with your one, two, three. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so a lot, of these, a lot of these can go either way. But I, I think they're definitely going to be better than last year. They're, they're going to win more than – I'd even say they're – They're going to be above 500. I feel yeah, very confident. I see 85 or more wins. And I, I, I think if they're and I think if they're projecting that way, and Dave Dombrowski sees a path to the playoffs, he's going to make a an, an impact acquisition. So I think that I think that's how this is. I think this is going to see. That's how it's going to play out. So if the Phillies can hang in there and be a winning team in July, I think he's going to do something that's going to make an impact and they can make. The I agree. I, and I look forward to just not having to pull my hair out with the bullpen. I mean, that was about as treacherous of a viewing experience as it could be last year. And, um, you know, even if they're only 50% better, that that still is like uh, so much better than what we saw last year. But they should theoretically be a lot better. I mean, you can't fault the effort that Dombrowski and the team put into trying to upgrade the bullpen. So is it good enough? I guess that's my final word for you today, Jeff. Is this bullpen going to be good enough? Well, that's the thing. Nothing is ever stagnant. The Phillies got better, but so did the Braves. So did the Nationals. So did the Marlins and Mets. And so we'll see. You know, I, you know, you're asking me if I'm, you're trying to put me on the spot here. Will the Phillies make the playoffs? Because there's that extra team now. So theoretically, they can make it. Uh, Not this they, year. No, no, so that's right. Not this year. That was just last system. year. Yeah, back the old way. System. You know what? I don't know, man. I really don't know. I can't say I'm I'm confident about it, but I do feel like they're going to be um, 
at least five to ten games better than last year. So well, that that puts, puts them on track the to do it. That yeah, I know. That, it just depends on what the rest of the, the two other teams in the division do. I mean, they could literally the Phillies could finish eight games over five hundred and still fall behind the Marlins and the Mets, or not the Marlins and the Nationals. So you, the don't, you, don't think the Mets, you don't think the Mets are anything? The Mets are going to be the Mets. Yeah, I mean, Carrasco's already hurt. Thor's not going to be back until June. I've never really loved Stroman, to be honest with you. I think it's funny all the fans are freaking out about Lindor not getting a deal yet when, you know, that's exactly what Phillies fans went through with JT Real Muto, and he wound up re-signing anyway. So uh, <laughs> it's just kind of funny to see a different fan base going through the, the same thing. But um, I think the Mets will be good. I just don't think that – I think they have a higher disaster rate than some of the other NL East teams because of their injuries. The Mets. Because of the Mets. <laughs> the Mets will be the Mets, right? At the end of the day. Right. They'll be the Mets. The Mets are the, are the Mets. Well, we'll be with you all season long talking Phillies baseball. I think this will be a more exciting season than last. I really like the energy I see from Phillies fans so far. And I very much look forward to talking lots of baseball with you this year, Jeff Mosher. Same here, brother. Well, for the Powder Blue Podcast, Frank Close, Jeff Mosher. We will catch you next time. <laughs>